Welcome to episode five of the Oklahoma edition of the Not So Silent Verbal podcast. This episode is called OU Killed the Big 12. And in this episode, we're going to talk about some current news, talking about some uh, players reducing their um, list of schools they're going to choose from, and some crystal ball activity, as well as some depressing information from the NCAA. Then we'll move on to uh, the headline topic, the 2021 recruiting wrap-up. And we're going to do a Big 12 overview this time. We're going to take a look at the class uh, just signed by Oklahoma in contrast to the rest of the Big 12. Then we're going to do a position recruiting review. We're going to do a running back recruiting review, talking about DeMarco Murray's latest efforts. And finally, we're going to move to future news and talk about some recent offers in 2000 and. 22 and 2023. So thanks everyone for listening. Let's get started. Get on with it. Yes, get on with it. All right. So let's get started with current news. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to lead off this section with a five-star verbal commitment for OU like I was able to last week. Um, not that much in the way of commitment news this week. Um, however, we've had a couple of key recruits uh, indicate uh, their preference lists. They've taken them down from the um, 15 to 10 level to, uh, to, to a much, much uh, smaller list. So let's start with uh, those two players. The first key player is uh, Jake Taylor, from Bishop Gorman uh, High School in Nevada. He's an offensive tackle. He's about 6'6", uh, 280. That's what he's listed at. And he's had uh, he's has offers from just about every uh, Power 5 uh, team in the country out west, uh, from the SEC and from the, and the, and the Big Ten area. He has uh, reduced his offer list. His, he's only going to consider, moving forward, uh, three schools, uh, Notre Dame, OU, and Alabama. Um, so Jake has a pretty tight list there. Um, he, um, it's, uh, it's really hard to argue, um, with those three schools, um, in terms of their production, uh, of NFL offensive linemen right now, uh, and just offensive linemen in general. Um, those three schools are doing a very good job producing offensive line talent, um, in particular, Notre Dame has a key Bishop Gorman alum who's an offensive tackle. It's Ronnie Stanley with the Ravens. And uh, Ronnie was injured last year with the Ravens. Uh, he was their left tackle, uh, got a big signing bonus. And actually, OU's Orlando Brown had to replace uh, Ronnie Stanley uh, in the starting lineup uh, for the Ravens at left tackle. And uh, having done that, Orlando Brown has actually asked for a trade from the Ravens. So that's kind of a weird uh, five points of connection between the, between the story here. 
So um, Jake is probably going to, I would imagine, since he's got a final three, um, I'd imagine he's probably going to try and wait out um, some visits uh, before choosing those schools. He visited OU unofficially last fall with a with a real unofficial visit. No, no, no player. Sorry, no coaching contact uh, under the under this ridiculous NCA uh, dead period that we're in. Uh, he visited for the Oklahoma State game last year. Um, so good game for him to good game for him to watch the OU offensive line move move some people around. Um, so I would say that, you know, that Jake is right now probably ranked somewhere in the top 250, top 300 by most services. And I would think with these three schools being, um, really, really interested in him, uh, that probably Jake's a little underranked. He's probably somewhere closer to a top 100, uh, offensive tackle in the nation. So we'll see if his rankings start to move up based upon, uh, the schools that are really tracking him. Another Dame does have two verbals at offensive tackle already. Um, Alabama and Oklahoma are both kind of looking for their offensive line class to form. So I don't know if that's going to affect Jake, Jake's decision or not, but um, he's definitely someone OU is, is definitely tracking. Um, the DeMarco Murray-Bishop Gorman connection is, is, is a big one in recruiting. You're going to see that as we talk about more and more athletes uh, through this class. In fact, OU is targeting, uh, has offers out to um, several teammates of Jake's, uh, principally um, Cyrus Moss, who is an outside linebacker, uh, Zeon Branch, who is a safety. So both of those players in the 2022 class. And in 2023, OU has offered Zachariah Branch, who is a wide receiver. So definitely... um, OU's interested in reestablishing a presence in Bishop, at Bishop Gorman. Um, so ideally Jake will be the, when he gets to make a decision, will be the first start of that process. One other player who actually doesn't seem to be making a decision, it's kind of unclear what's going on on Twitter, is recent OU defensive tackle offer from the Houston area, uh, uh, Christopher Ross, uh, seemed to be indicating he was deciding Friday between LSU, Baylor, OU, and and University of Texas. Uh, not really sure where OU is um, in his top four. If he is actually going to decide on Friday, there seems to be some confusion on that note. Um, uh, I've recently watched his film. It's pretty good. He's about 6'3", 270, 275. He's very quick. Sort of fits the model of the Alex Grinch defensive lineman. Uh, offers that we've been seeing out, been seen, been, been seen uh, going out lately. Uh, very quick, probably could add 10, 15 pounds to his frame. Probably could play the nose guard spot and be be an attacking aggressive um, uh, nose guard for the Sooners. So we'll keep tracking that. Um, doesn't look like a decision is actually coming down, which might give OU a little more chance to um, get involved. Like I said, they just recently offered him. Um. On the other side, uh, on the 247 public site, uh, two recent crystal balls have been, um, activity has been occurring for players from Texas that OU's been recruiting. Uh, the first one is uh, Chance Biddle. He is from Garland, Texas, and he's a teammate of um, OU verbal Jordan Henderson. Uh, Biddle is a safety prospect. He's about 6'1", 190. Um, Four five, maybe better speed. 
He has really good track speed. He's a top one player, top 100 player nationally, uh, top 20 player in Texas. Um, just elite athleticism and ball skills. Um, probably needs to work on the physical part of his game a little bit. Um, he's he's certainly willing. His tackle form is obviously he's not textbook. But when you're talking about someone who can track wide receivers deep, always looks for the ball, always making plays on the ball, Biddle fills those those check boxes completely. So once again, he, he fills the major requirements that, that Grinch is looking for. He's he's got the frame, he's got some length, he's got the speed. And I think Grinch just sort of feels like he can he can take care of the rest in terms of uh, in terms of developing players. The other Texas star who's getting who's being who's being projected to uh, maybe choose the Sooners is uh, Demetrius Hunter. He's from uh, West Orange Stark, which hasn't always been a school that OU's had a lot of luck with. Uh, he's 6'3", 300 pounds plus. He's a four star by at least one service. He's generally ranked as the top center in the country right now. That probably doesn't mean a whole lot right now, but um, right now he's the top center in the country. I've watched his film. He's very physical. He's very quick inside, mauling his targets. Uh, he's frequently getting to the second level, engaging linebackers. There's a lot to like about his film in terms of being a center and how OU uses their centers. So, those could be two, that could be probably in the next maybe 30 days, uh, two recent, two two more additions to the uh, 2022 OU class. And and both would be, you know, both would be big time additions uh, for the Sooners. The Sooners need to sign safeties in this uh, recruiting class. Uh, they're going to have at least three players probably move on in terms of their depth, perhaps maybe as many as four um, on the roster. And uh, from an offensive line standpoint, OU lost EJ Nadomo to Missouri last year, who was sort of projected as the center of the future. Um, and OU obviously only signed two high school players uh, in their O-line class last year. So kind of expecting Bill Biedenbaugh to rebound with a big offensive line class of maybe five, maybe as many as six players if he finds the right guys. Um, on the safety uh, topic again, I, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that LSU had lost uh, commitments from two big-time safeties in Texas, both top 100 players, both top 20 Texas players. Um, one was Bryce Anderson, and the other one was Brian Allen. Well, Bryce Anderson, it looks like from the crystal balls and traffic going out, uh, looks like he's heading to Texas. And that'd be a really big pickup for, the Tex for Texas. It's going to be a blow for LSU that – they don't get a chance, perhaps, to re-recruit uh, re him. Uh, he's an excellent player. He's about six foot, 190, 185. Good athleticism. Would be a really good pickup for Texas in terms of an uh, in-state defender. And the other guy I've mentioned before is uh, Brian Allen. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's he's from Alito, which is kind of a school that OU's had a had a little bit of a relationship uh, problem with, um, based upon the. Jace McClellan recruiting of two years ago, but OU's back at uh, is back at Alito. They they appear to be recruiting Brian Allen. They had a virtual visit with him uh, last week. Uh, there's a there's a lot of buzz that OU's doing a good job recruiting him and 
will be in his top five, uh, top three, depending upon when he decides to reduce his list. And uh, and really on film, um, Allen is just a fantastic safety-looking prospect. Um, he may be the best safety I've seen on film in terms of uh, in terms of the class of 2022. It's again similar build to uh, Chance Biddle, six one. 185, good speed, and he does a great job tracking the ball, making him play on the ball. And Allen is a Allen's a vicious tackler. Um, pretty much, pretty much could teach a teach a class on tackling. So um, there's a there's a good chance that Oklahoma is going to stay involved in that recruiting, and uh, maybe I'll be able to pull in you know, one of the top safeties uh, or the, the top safety from, from Texas. It's a better year this year for safeties in Texas. OU's got a number of players um, from the state of Texas that they're looking at at safety. Last year, the safety numbers were a little low. OU didn't make a lot of safety offers in the state of Texas. Um, and really, uh, this year, uh, that, that's changed. There's, there's a half dozen safeties that probably are going to be top 250 in the country from the state of Texas. We mentioned uh, Joe John Finley getting his feet wet and starting to make some offers at tight end. Well, he made a new tight end offer this week. He offered uh, an Alito player. So OU's now got two targets at Alito. So obviously OU's trying to, trying to, trying to mend relation, mend that relationship, get that relationship working well so that OU can recruit kids from there. And uh, they just offered Jason Llewellyn. Uh, he's a big tight end, 6'5", 240. Um, he looks really good on film. He's very physical. Uh, he could be an inline tight end, good blocker. Um, they flex him out. He's a good receiver. Um, when they when he's in line and he's catching them, and when he's in line and he goes out for uh, goes out on routes, he, he quickly gets off the line quickly finds a vertical seam uh, behind linebackers. Um, so shows good hands. He probably has, you know, um, you know, he's right now a three-star, but I imagine there's a good chance that he's going to bounce up in the four-star level. Uh, so just another offer from Joe John Finley there as he's starting to get a, a handle on who to recruit and where to recruit. I, I could see OU signing two tight ends if Llewellyn is one of them because um, Llewellyn could also – uh, be a big H back in the OU scheme in a similar way to to Carson Meyer. Carson Meyer is probably not actually the it's actually probably a pretty good comparison right now. Um, but OU obviously effectively used Carson Meyer on the field at the same time with with uh, Austin Stogner um, back in uh, back in 2000, uh, 2019. Um, the other big news of the week is really just bad news for everybody who likes recruiting and is following recruiting bad news for high school, high school prospects and bad news for college football coaches. The NCAA various ruling bodies have decided to extend the recruiting dead period to June 1st. So that's no in-person recruiting on campus or off campus through June 1st. So this basically means that since the middle of March last year, to June 1st of this year, no coaches will have been able to have done any in-person recruiting at all. No official visits, 
uh, no in-home visits, no in-home scouting, sorry, no no scouting of the player um, during their high school games. Uh, obviously, you can't run a camp if you can't have any contact. Uh, so no camps. Uh, and uh, finally, uh, no unofficial visits where the player pays for the foots the bill, but is able to spend as much time with the coaching staff uh, as they have available. Uh, these unofficial visits that occur in the spring um, are crucial in recruiting uh, because the player is able to, the player, you know, does pay for the trip themselves, but they're able to interact with the coaches as much as, as much as possible. And sometimes they're able to do get more coach attention on these unofficial visits than during an official game weekend in the fall. Um, so the, the big problem here is if you were a 2021 recruit and you were overlooked and weren't able to get a scholarship offer for signing day, which just occurred in February, um, the opening window for the NCAA uh, that was supposed to occur April 15th was going to at least allow you to go drive to a college, um, make an unofficial visit, and be evaluated in person. And those in-person evaluations could have made the difference between a scholarship offer and, and players having to walk on somewhere or, or, or not play football next year um, or not go to college next year. Um, the college cost is getting more and more expensive. So let's not forget that scholarships pay for kids to go to college. You know, I know some, that you know, often gets overlooked, but for a lot of kids – uh, going to going to smaller programs um, who are looking for and a lot of smaller programs looking for athletes to fill out their rosters, looking to offer kids some scholarships. They can't use this period between April 15th and uh, June 1st to have unofficial visits to get them on campus and evaluate in person. So it's really a killer uh, in terms of the 2021 group it's killing the progress of the 2022 group. They can't make official, unofficial visits. Uh, they can't reduce lists. Uh, if you're going to pay for a visit and pay out of your own money, out of your own pocket, um, you want to meet the coaches. I mean, it just makes sense that if you're going to pay out of your pocket to go somewhere, you're going to want to you're going to want to get as much value out of that visit as possible, which means. Getting a perfect, getting a tour of the facilities, the the football facilities, not the college facilities. Um, get a get as much one on one time with your position coach. Get as much one on one time with the head coach as possible. Um, so all of those things are not going to happen. And for a lot of programs, you know, you can debate the impact. Of, it affects all programs sort of equally. But for OU, who really only, um has uh, Dallas and Tulsa and Oklahoma City within a three-hour driving distance. Um, it really hurts Oklahoma here because OU's trying to establish uh, contact out west. They're working in the Pacific Northwest. They have both Kane and DeMarco Murray who have contacts in Arizona, California, uh, Seattle, Oregon. OU's developed a foothold in the Maryland, uh, Virginia, D.C. area. And OU's been recruiting very, very hard in Florida. So now OU is really 
And to be honest, it's it's we don't see a lot of kids from Houston driving up um, on their own dime either. So it limits also uh, how much how how big an area you could really get uh, kids from Texas to visit. So um, you know, a kid from Houston, you know, is gonna, if they're going to drive up on their own dime, and a lot of them do. Um, are going to wait until they can meet the coaches. They're not going to waste that money and time just to look at look around campus. Um, all this highlights just the amazing job Caleb Williams did organizing the summit and getting players back on campus, um, get players on campus and and doing an event and maybe making a recruiting event out of it. I know you didn't sign every player from it, um, but the fact he got so many guys to just participate was just was just amazing. So really I don't I don't know there's probably no chance of this decision getting overruled. I'd like to think in 30 days uh the NCAA uh the Power 5 coaches um and football coaches everywhere will have raised enough of a uproar on this that perhaps this decision can get re re re-reviewed. And then the, the then the final real problem with this ruling is is that kids are making visits anyway. They're showing up on campus and they're doing campus tours. So you're not keeping the kids from visiting the campuses. So you're not stopping that that interaction. So I don't understand why the NCAA is is backing away um, from letting kids take unofficial visits, put some rules around them put some structure around them, uh, some simple, simple, some simple make sense health rules, uh, masks, limit the amount of folks who can be on a tour together with, uh, with coaches. Uh, Cause you know, oh, you're going to have a spring game is, you know, probably will end up with five, 10,000 people in the stands probably, but they, they can't get 10, 15 uh, kids on campus to, uh, to meet, to have an hour session with Lincoln Riley, uh, it just—it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't—it's not—it's not really, it's, it's not viewing the reality of where uh, the kids are with recruiting. So, off that soapbox, and uh, let's go ahead and move into a discussion of uh, how OU did in comparison to the rest of the Big Twelve in recruiting, and uh, why this uh, podcast is is titled, Oh, You Killed the Big 12. And now for something completely different. Okay, let's talk about where Oklahoma's recruiting class for 2021 that just got wrapped up sort of ranks against the rest of the Big 12. Um, I've already mentioned that it's that it's a top five class uh, nationally if you do the recruiting, uh, if you look at recruiting uh, scores by average of recruit. Uh, which is a little fairer for the OU class because it's such a small class of uh, of only 16 players. But let's uh, take a look at how uh, OU basically lapped uh, the rest of the Big 12 uh, in recruiting with with this with this smaller, super high quality class. So I'm going to use 247 composite data uh, since it factors in 247 uh, rivals and ESPN. Uh, especially since ESPN's rankings aren't really reproducible. So the average player ranking for OU was uh, 93.19 points a player, 
based upon how 247 does it. And that was good enough for fifth nationally in the country. Um, on the 247 network, the next highest average recruiting ranking class was Texas uh, at 88.87. Now, not to get too mathy here with you guys. That's a margin of 4.3.2 uh, points per player. So the lowest ranked average recruiting class per player was the KU class at 84.77. So basically, the, the, the quality gap between OU and UT is greater than the quality gap between U, UT and KU. So that's, that's basically, that's how far a margin OU had over the rest of the conference. Um, that basically they they basically pushed their margin of, of player quality um, so far um, that that you know it's going to be hard for the rest of the big if OU develops uh, and and turns these players you know you know hits the hits the player developmental ceiling for these guys uh, it's going to be hard for the rest of the Big Twelve to really you know to stop you know future Big Twelve titles for the Sooners. Um, one of the other things is that Iowa State um, had one of the lower rankings as well. So the the next best team in the Big 12, the team that seems best equipped right now to topple uh, Oklahoma uh, from the, the top of the Big 12, Iowa State, um, it doesn't seem to be really taking advantage of their um, of their their last two seasons or especially this season. I mean, they're, they're, they're still very much recruiting developmental classes. There's, we're not seeing splashes of four stars uh, players uh, in their recruiting class. They're still, you know, recruiting uh, primarily three and two star players. So um, I kind of expected Iowa State perhaps to to do what Oklahoma State had been doing when they were the most, uh, when they were the second best team in the Big 12, which was Oklahoma State would have a smattering of four star guys, uh, talented skill guys from Texas. Uh, or from the or from elsewhere, uh, like Mason Rudolph, uh, Tylen Wallace, uh, Chuba Hubbard. Uh, you know, Oklahoma State was always able to add, you know, three or four four-star talented skill guys. Uh, but you just don't see that in the Iowa State class. So really, there's there's a huge gap there between just you know just player uh, player rankings, and as you would imagine, that led. That leads to OU kind of boat racing the rest of the Big 12 and just individual highly ranked players. Um, you know, OU had three players receive five-star rankings by at least one service. Uh, UT was the only school to have a five-star ranking. Uh, nobody else in the Big 12 came anywhere close to having a five-star player. Um, OU had nine of their 16 players in the Two four seven top two hundred. Um, UT um, had only uh, had only one. UT sorry um, had three in the top two hundred. Um, the rest of the conference added four more. Uh, four schools had one player each. Uh, they were primarily quarterbacks. Um, so really, the rest of the conference got seven top. Uh, 200 players. And OU got nine. Um, OU, in addition, uh, got five players in the top 100. 
no one else in the conference but UT had a top 100 player, and UT only had one. So uh, as you can see, the the quality depth of the smaller OU class is is it's considerable, and they, you know, basically out recruited the rest of the conference combined. When you're talking about elite top end players, um, and you know it's it's clear that you've got to have a uh, an elite signal caller to win the Big Twelve. You got to have a good quarterback or an elite quarterback. Um, and OU signed the best quarterback in the country. Um, so really, you know, the one area where you perhaps might hope that the smaller OU class uh, had a weakness. The one key area was perhaps that quarterback. Maybe OU would struggle to get a quarterback. Uh, maybe OU's, maybe Spencer Rattler uh, merging would scare off OU's ability to sign a top quarterback. Uh, no, instead, OU was able to sign um, Caleb Williams, who at the end of rankings, uh, at the end of the rankings, was the number one quarterback in the country, regardless of whether we're talking dual purpose or pro quarterbacks. Uh, 247 splits them up, but. When you when you ask them to tell you, ask you to rank the quarterbacks regardless uh, of that distinction between the two, uh, Caleb Williams is number one, um, and he's the only five star quarterback signed by the Big Twelve. So, um, really, that just you've got Lincoln Riley just extending uh, the talent edge at quarterback, uh, potential talent edge at quarterback for the Sooners, which is you know, the biggest difference maker, you know, on the field, as we see on all, at all levels of football, uh, as we see with all, um, as we see, you know, today, you know, you we saw Carson Wentz traded to the Colts. Uh, we just saw Matt Stafford traded to the LA Chargers. Um, quarterback is, quarterback is king, we're going to see. And you, we're going to see lots of NFL teams changing quarterbacks, and we're going to see lots of, and the transfer portal has lots of quarterbacks looking for homes, uh, looking for college football homes. So OU's advantage in being able to sign the best quarterback in the conference, it, it's, a hu- it's a huge edge. Uh, to that credit, K-State, Tech, and Baylor were able to sign top 30 quarterbacks. Uh, Texas missed out in this class due to a defection by uh, Jalen Monroe. Uh, they are seem to be rallying in that issue under Steve Sarkeesian for 2022. Uh, but we'll talk about that. We can talk about that later. However, some other key positions uh, that kind of really determine, you know, uh, how teams perform in the Big 12. Um, the three highest rated wide receivers in the Big 12 all signed with OU. So OU signed the best quarterback and gave him the three best wide receivers in the conference. Uh, in addition... Uh, maybe the maybe more important, uh, the only thing perhaps more, in, perhaps the number two thing behind, did you sign an elite quarterback? OU also signed the three highest ranked defensive linemen in the Big 12. Um, Clayton Smith, uh, Kelvin Gilliam, and uh, Ethan Downs um, were higher ranked than anybody, higher ranked than any other D-line signed by anybody else. And and OU had Nathan Rollins uh, Kabanje just just outside that range as well. So uh, OU's bringing in more impact wide receivers, more impact defensive line, and although they only signed two offensive linemen, 
Uh, so they didn't sign the biggest class. OU signed the best offensive lineman in the Big 12. They signed an elite offensive tackle in Savion Bird. He's the best offensive lineman signed by uh, by a Big 12 team by, by a wide margin. So, you know, the elite quarterback has an elite pass protector to allow him to get the ball to the elite pass receivers. Um, that's that's kind of a kind of a winning combination there. Uh, the best conference in the uh, best de- defensive back in the conference by two four seven was Ishmael Abraham. He signed with UT. He was ranked 198th in the country. Uh, Latrell McCutcheon was OU's uh, top DB. He was ranked 239 by two four seven. Now, of course, if I was using some rivals rankings. Uh, McCutcheon is ranked 78th in the country. It would have been the best cornerback. And Abraham is a four-star player uh, ranked outside uh, outside the top 50. Uh, sorry, outside the, the top 250. Um, so really, the when you think about the top 10 guys signed in the combine, signed on uh, in the Big 12, um, uh, pretty much... The only one in the top five is going to be Jatavion Sanders for Texas. Um, the number one player, in the, number one player signed in the Big Twelve is Caleb Williams. The number two player is Mario Williams. The number three player is Clayton Smith. The number, sorry, the number uh, three player is Jatavion Sanders. Then it'll be Clayton Smith, and then it's probably Billy Bowman. So, the top five, the top five guys signed in the conference. Four of them are Sooners. So, um, and I didn't even uh, really fact in Billy Bowman. Billy Bowman's not in that three top wide receivers I talked about there. So, because um, he's listed as an athlete by uh, listed as an athlete by by most of the services. So, you know, OU if they're able to take advantage of this player, if the player development that we see in Norman that has definitely occurred at wide receiver. Uh, has definitely occurred at offensive line, has definitely occurred at quarterback. Um, and we're starting to see player development occurring on the defensive side of the ball. Um, Ronnie Perkins is starting to get some first-round uh, consideration. Uh, oh, you just had Kenneth Murray drafted first round last year. Um, you're starting to hear a lot of buzz about Nick Benito for the 2022 draft as well as Perion uh, Winfrey and Isaiah Thomas. So really, um, you're starting to see player development for OU on the defensive side equal the player development on the offensive side. So OU got the, got the best ingredients. Uh, they got the elite ingredients, and really the class uh, was the – of those high-end players, it was the deepest class – uh, really matching the rest of the conference in terms of talent. So uh, that's what the big that's what the the Sooners were able to do to the rest of the Big Twelve. Uh, they did miss on a running back, uh, so that leads us into our next topic, where we're going to talk a little bit about how Demarco Murray is going to overcome the the miss of two thousand and twenty one, and uh, move forward on running back recruiting. Here's your name. It is Arthur, King of the Britons. What is your quest? To seek the Holy Grail. What is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? What do you mean? 
An African or European swallow? Huh? I, I don't know that. Who do you know so much about swallows? Well, you have to know these things when you're a king, you know. And now moving on to the recruiting profile of DeMarco Murray and the running back situation for Oklahoma. Uh, last week, I did a recruiting profile on Joe John Finley and where OU stood with tight ends. So this week, I'm going to focus on the uh, second most, uh, second newest uh, coach uh, for OU, uh, position coach for OU in terms of recruiting, and that would be DeMarco Murray. Um, Unlike Jamar Kane, DeMarco Murray didn't come to Oklahoma with an extensive resume. Um, Jamar Kane's been recruiting uh, for about seven years and has kind of a, a, a large, has a, has a long history of uh, recruiting in the out west. Um, DeMarco's only been a position coach for one year before he joined the Oklahoma staff. Now, um, he was with uh, Kevin Sumlin uh, out in Arizona. So really as almost a brand new coach recruiting brand new players, because there really wasn't a lot of overlap between the kids uh, that Arizona was recruiting and the kids Oklahoma was recruiting. Just, just simple fact is just higher profile recruits. The running back recruits that OU had targeted weren't the same ones that he, that DeMarco was uh, recruiting at Arizona. So there wasn't really any, pre-existing relationship from to really tie into there. Whereas uh, Jamar Kane uh, had a pre-existing relationship with NRK. So he was able to, Jamar was able to leverage that uh, in his recruiting. So we have a new recruit, we have a relatively new coach recruiting a brand new list of uh, prospects and basically 45 days into the job, um, COVID restrictions begin and they continue all the way through signing day. So DeMarco basically had a list of brand new high profile running back recruits going against the best programs in the country. And he'd never had a chance to actually meet uh, any of the recruits other than uh, Kamar Wheaton took a quick unofficial visit to Norman before things uh, got shut down in uh, March of 2000. And 20. So really, you know, there was really no, of the coaches impacted by this, really DeMarco was, was impacted the most of all the, of all the OU coaches. Um, he, he just had not had a chance to really develop any relationships with the players, uh, with the, with the prospects. And, and fundamentally, when we get right down to it, recruiting is relationship building. Um, You'll see new there's a there's a reason why first year coaches tend to struggle a little bit in recruiting is because recruiting's really kind of a two to three year relationship building um, process. Uh, if you go back and look at uh, Dennis Simmons and Kale Gundy's first wide receiver class, it's it's not very good. Um, uh, their second class, though, features Hollywood Brown, uh, Charleston Rambo, and C.D. Lamb. So very, very different. So this is really the year that uh, OU needs um, DeMarco to really find his footing. Hopefully, uh, June 1st will 
see an end to the restrictions, the in-person restrictions, so DeMarco can start recruiting his targets in person. Um, but at the very least, he's now he's now been able to develop some relationships with with recruits, at least virtually, uh, over the whole last year. And nobody else is really he. Everybody else is facing the same handicap he is. No one else is really going to have um, a deep in person relationship with any of the targets either. So it's kind of more like a level playing field for Demarco here. So um, basically, uh, we all we all know what happened with Kamar Wheaton. So I'm not going to rehash any of that story. Um, I honestly feel that if if OU had been able to have an official visit with Donovan Edwards, the top 100 running back from Michigan, I think there's a great chance he would have signed with OU. Uh, he signed with Michigan because he basically hadn't had a chance to visit anywhere else. And unlike uh, uh, Mecca Agbuka or Caleb Williams, he wasn't able to arrange an unofficial visit um, on his own uh, through his own resources, his own finances, or his own coordination. Uh, uh, and also, you know, travel near the end of the year became more and more, more and more difficult. Um. So I really think that um, I really think that you know we would have this issue or this issue about Demarco not being able to sign any running backs really would be kind of moot if we'd had a regular recruiting process. But we are we are where we are. So let's kind of review a little bit of what uh, what OU's deans are at running back. Again, OU lost two running backs in the offseason, one to the NFL in Ramondre Stevenson, and one to the transfer portal in TJ Pledger heading to Utah. But Kennedy Brooks is back from his COVID-19 opt-out year. And let's remember, Kennedy Brooks was the number one running back. He, he, he put Trey Sermon and Ramondre Stevenson on the bench. He, he was the number one running back for the OU last, in 2019. And OU brings in, you know, exciting, uh, an exciting prospect in Tennessee transfer, Eric Gray, who... Um, who, who brings a lot of brings a lot of talent uh, was a top 100 running back by one service. Um, so OU's OU's depth at running back is pretty good, but again, OU needs to sign some running backs. There's a very good chance Kennedy Brooks. This is his final season. Um, I think that's that's a, that's almost a certainty. And depending upon how everything shakes out with running back utilization um, and the portal, I could see OU losing another running back. The Number four or number three running back uh, in this process uh, on the depth chart uh, for 2021, I could see that running back uh, possibly transferring. I mean, kids just aren't staying around. So, oh, you needs to reload here at running back. So, partly that partly got a huge boost uh, with the with the commitment from uh, Relique Brown. Uh, the national number one all-purpose running back or wide receiver back, as Brown likes to call himself on Twitter. So OU's got a weapon right there, um, but really needs to sign two what we might call feature backs in this recruiting class, at least one, ideally two. Now, I mentioned last week Jaden Blue from, uh, from, from uh, Texas, verbal to UT, um, I don't see that verbal changing 
I don't see OU really trying to flip Jaden either right now. So, um, and I, the, and the big reason why is when you look at OU's primary, primary offers and, and you look at some of the, 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 the traffic out there, uh, it looks like that DeMarco has focused on two running backs out in uh, Pac-12 country. Uh, the first one is uh, Colorado running back Gavin Sawchuk. And the second one is uh, Desert Pines, Nevada, which I, which I understand is just part of Las, Las Vegas, uh, running back uh, Jovante Barnes. Now, Sawchuk is ranked the number one running back in the country by several services. Um, he comes from the same high school that produced Christian McCaffrey. And Mike McCaffrey um, saw Chuck is more as an every down back with elite speed and quickness, uh, excellent receiver skills, but he's not a big bruising running back. Um, he's listed somewhere in the, he's listed around 5'11", 180 right now. Um, I, I'd imagine his frame can probably carry 200 easily without any loss of speed. Um, and let's be clear, his, he has home run speed. He is, he is a player who can make, make folks miss and then outrun the rest of the defenders to the end zone. And he's an, he's an excellent pass receiver out of the backfield. Um, obviously Joe Mixon's kind of the, the gold standard of that for OU fans. And I would say Sawchuck is, is really good. He's, He's not as good as Joe Mixon, but he, he looks very natural receiving out of the backfield. Um, it's not going to be a problem to add for, for him to add that weapon as part of his game. Uh, on a real positive note, he's already been a Norman once. He visited last spring before everything shut down, and uh, he's had a chance to meet Murray in person. Um, and uh, he's really, really had a lot of, and he's had a lot of, and he has had a lot of contact with the OU staff. OU's been able to use their virtual process and really keep a connection going, uh, keep a connection going with, um, um, with Sawchuck. Um, I think one of the reasons why Murray likes Sawchuck so much is, is potentially that he just reminds him of himself out of high school. Um, we all kind of joked that we were afraid that Brent Venables was trying to recruit linebackers that reminded Brent of them, of himself. Um, it wouldn't be, it's not hard to imagine DeMarco watching Gavin Sawchuck run the ball and think, yeah, that's, that, that's what I want. Uh, he, cause he looks, it's, it's very similar. Um, OU's going to be fighting, uh, a powerful list of schools that are interested in Sawchuck, um, including running back recruiting nemesis, Alabama, uh, but Ohio state, uh, Oregon, uh, probably USC, um, probably Notre Dame. Um, so just a list of schools that are, um, that can offer a, a you know, significant running back experience as well. So um, that's all, but Sawchuck is obviously OU's number one, uh, seems to be OU's number one target. Um, 1B, I don't think it's, or maybe 1AA, because I think really OU sort of has them maybe maybe ranked equally, uh, is uh, Javante Barnes from Las Vegas. 
Now, I, I keep making the mistake that he's from Bishop Gorman, uh, but he's not from Bishop Gorman. So sometimes I keep thinking he, he he's a, he's another target of Bishop Gorman. That's going to work out great for you, but he's not actually. He's at Desert Pines, which is a different a different high school. And Barnes is listed around six foot one ninety. Um, his speed sure looks like it's sub four five. Um, but one of the many issues that the COVID cancellations is causing for recruiting is we didn't get summer or spring camps last year. So for a lot of the up uh, upcoming seniors. Uh, I'm not sure how accurate the weights and weights and measures and speeds are always difficult to get, but with this entire class not not going through the camp uh, process, at least the elite kids not going through camps and going to the opening or five star events or or rivals camps or Under Armour camps, uh, I just wonder how many of these weights and measures are right for some of these kids. Uh, and in particular for Barnes, we're missing junior film. So we only have his sophomore film to go by. Um, and it's really, really good. Um, he, he shows home run speed, excellent agility, uh, and excellent uh, excellent acceleration. Um, so in an ideal world, uh, Barnes and Sawchuck commit to OU. Um, Sawchuck is, you know, like the number one running back in the country or number two. Uh, Barnes is somewhere around like five or four or five. Uh, and and DeMarco, you know, uh, using his West Coast connections, uh, is able to, uh, using his connections in Vegas, is able to land those two guys, puts them to bed, and the running back debate, running back recruiting debate ends and OU moves on. But recruiting really, uh, really works that smoothly. Um, so what are some... What are some additional names in play, and who are some additional players that OU might be looking at? Well, their next big offer is to Emmanuel Henderson from Alabama. Um, I'm not going to give you a lot of details on Henderson because he's he's choosing in March. He's never been a Norman, um, and he's he's everyone says he's heading to Alabama. The nice thing about that is it removes, hopefully, should remove. Alabama as a short-term threat uh, for Barnes and especially Sawchuck because Alabama has that running back. Uh, the other running back offer is a Tennessee running back named Jordan James. James is more of a power back at five foot ten, sort of two two hundred five, two ten. Probably could play closer to two fifteen, two twenty. Powerful between the tackles. Shows some nice uh, acceleration and burst. Isn't quite. Uh, the home run hitter of Barnes and Sawchuck. Um, uh, OU offered him about a, about a month ago. A um, lot of lot of stuff online seems to indicate that maybe Georgia is his his is his preferred choice. Um, uh, that would make sense on some levels. Tennessee uh, being an area Georgia recruits heavily and. And Georgia being, you know, um, a big-time player for running backs, um, uh, certainly uh, needing some running backs uh, with some graduation losses coming up soon, and some and some transfers having uh, and some transfer portal uh, buzz going on with the Georgia backfield. Um, another running back that OU is sort of tracking. Murray is following on Twitter. 
is uh, Jamarian Miller, uh, Jamarian Miller uh, from Texas, top two fifty running back, five foot eleven, one ninety speed back, um, looks a little similar to Sawchuck. Um, OU's not offered yet, but I could certainly see them getting involved. Um, I, uh, I could see OU offering uh, Katron Allen from IMG in Florida, especially after Alabama gets Emmanuel Henderson. Uh, he's a little bit of a more of a power back. Um, Trevor Etienne from Louisiana is also out there. So uh, Travis's Clemson, um, former Clemson running back, uh, Travis Etienne, it's his younger brother. And, and they're, they're almost twins in terms of their uh, running back game. Then there's another guy um, right now called uh, Travante Citizen, who's also from Louisiana. He's a, he's a big back. He's about maybe 5'11", 220, maybe 6'2", 220. Um, and he looks, like, he looks like the mold of the bigger back that OU has recruited in the past. Kind of get a Trey Sermon vibe watching at his film. So also... Um, OU is, uh, so that's where 2022 also, you know, stands. One thing is 2023, um, OU's made a, a, a big time run at, at maybe the top running back in the country, Ruben Owens, who I've mentioned previously, who goes by the, the Twitter nickname, the black unicorn, um, and has just fantastic film might, might be the best running back in Texas. And Ruben, by the time he's a senior, he's probably going to be 6'1", 200 plus. Um, so he's he's floating around. Um, oh, you just offered um, another running back from Texas, uh, Waco running back Trey Wisner. Uh, his huddle film could he's about 5'11", 175, according to the measurements. Again, we're talking about junior, we're talking about high school freshmen and sophomores. So the growth from year to year um, could be considerable. He could be much bigger. Um, he's, uh, he looks very smooth, home run hitter, accelerates, hard to tackle, uh, hard to get a hold of just, just very, 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 very slick. And then OU's also heavily involved with, uh, Florida running back and speedster, uh, Trayon Webb, uh, Trayon six foot one ninety, probably runs around a four, four and is, uh, just an excellent looking back. So that's where DeMarco has OU. Um, right now, two primary targets, lots of secondary targets. OU needs at least one of these guys. Um, but he's certainly set up uh, to take advantage of um, real recruiting once it happens. Uh, the only liability I would say right now and concern is obviously Saw Chuck is from Colorado. And uh, Barnes is from Vegas. So uh, with players having to foot the bill for their own visits, we're probably looking at maybe, you know, uh, June at the earliest that either kid could get to Norman. Um, I think in, a, in an ideal world, they would have already been scheduled for official visits for OU spring game. As OU would like to really lock up this running back recruiting uh, process much earlier than last year. OU's not going to go into uh, December signing day, a week after December signing day, without a running back. It's just not going to happen this year. Um, OU will be able to push 
and hopefully get kids on campus uh, and utilize some of these recruiting processes to kind of move some move some decisions along. So uh, hopefully um, DeMarco is going to get his primary targets and uh, we're going to move on to 2023 running back recruiting fairly early, pretty soon this year, so that um, we can start seeing the OU backfield being stocked with the, the kind of players DeMarco Murray was. All right, that is the running back situation. Now we're going to move on to future offers and announcements. Okay, into our final segment, which is future news, uh, where I like to talk about the recent offers and uh, that OU has been making for 2022 and 2023, and eventually 2024, if we can believe that. Uh, and to start off, OU has made a couple of 2022 offers. Um, that traffic had trickled down a little bit because OU's got a lot of got a lot of offers out in play for 2022, but they're still finding some gems out there, some players that they really really like. Uh, the first one would have been Jaden Bellamy. Uh, he's a cornerback, a uh, 175. He's from the New Jersey area. Um, OU's been making more offers this year in New Jersey so far. Um, not much traction yet, no visitors. It certainly isn't a, a pipeline like the Maryland area has paid off for OU. But OU's continuing to try there. There's, there's a lot of talent in that area. So OU's continue to make some offers and see where things land. Um, again, for 2022, OU recently offered Malik Agbo. He's an offensive tackle, could potentially be an offensive guard. Um, he's a top 200 uh, player. Uh, on composite 247. He's about 6'5", 320. He's got excellent film, big, athletic, uh, powerful uh, offensive tackle, could move inside and be perhaps even uh, an even better offensive guard, some flexibility there, which Bill Biedenbaugh likes. Um, not sure where his level of interest is in OU. A couple of recent uh, Twitter posts showed some some edits and and uh, Malik uh, retweeted those, so at least on some level, he appears to be excited about you about OU recruiting him. Um, so he would be uh, an interesting, an interesting part of a of, of the big O line class that Bill Biedenbaugh hopes to sign. And then an offer that was uh, some folks have been expecting for a while from a player in what they what's called Texahoma, um, or basically you know real close to the Texas Oklahoma border. Uh, is uh, Ish uh, Harris. Um, he is a, for OU, he's going to be a linebacker, but his film uh, on Huddle is at running back and cornerback, uh, as running back, cornerback, sort of safety. Um, uh, safety. Um, he's 6'4", 200 pounds, probably runs uh, sub 4'7". Uh, as a running back, he looks a little bit like and I'm not saying he's this good. He looks a little bit like Eddie George, and that's mainly just because of his height and his frame. Uh, he's kind of a power back. He runs through tackles, uh, long strider. Um, I don't think OU's looking at him at running back, but if you you if you put 20, 30 pounds on him, he would be a load in the OU offense, uh, considering OU's other weapons. Um, but I think where OU's targeting him is that linebacker, at will linebacker. Uh, cause 
He's, as I said, he's 6'4", 200 pounds. He can easily add 20, 30 pounds. He looks great in coverage. He's playing uh, cornerback at times for his high school, taking on the best wide receiver. Um, he's excellent in space, excellent in coverage. And this is what OU's really looking for in the Will linebacker spot, a player similar to Harold Perkins, uh, someone who's got length, long wingspan, uh, is very comfortable in coverage, um, and can basically um, be an every-down linebacker. Um, you know, if you wanted to – I'm not saying he's anything like this, but if you wanted to use the recent Super Bowl as an example of what OU's looking for, OU's looking for like a Levante David kind of player uh, at will linebacker, someone with length, coverage, ability, speed. Uh, you know, obviously he's an old pro and one of the best linebackers in the NFL – um, but that's if you're looking for the the, the arc prototype, that's kind of it. Um, moving on to 2023, OU is making some more offers there, and we're going to see a lot more traffic there. And as one usually expects, um, the 2023 traffic right now is kind of in the running back, wide receiver, DB, um, cornerback, safety kind of area right now. Um, it's hard to find linemen. This, this far in advance, OU has identified some, identified some defensive linemen, but the offers are going to fall more or less in the athlete, uh, in the athlete bucket, especially due to some, with some places not having played football in, uh, in 2020. So perhaps the biggest offer is, at least from a ranking standpoint, is Makai Lemon. And he is a top 10 player in the nation, according to 247's very, very, very early 2023 rankings. Now, the interesting thing about Lemon is uh, he's from California, and he's, he's 5'11", 185, probably runs a 4'4", or something close to it. Um, seems like very much a very similar kind of all-purpose, all-round athlete, similar to Billy Bowman. Uh, but the, the, hook, the hook with him is he's a high school teammate of OUQB offer Malachi Nelson. And as I talked about before, Malachi Nelson has the only QB offer for OU for 2023. Lincoln likes to find one guy, make him the special guy, give him the golden ticket and tell him, you know, let's build a relationship until you decide that, you know, until you choose OU or you're giving me enough indication that, you know, that I need to go ahead and give other folks a golden ticket. So um, I'm not saying Lemon and, and Makai – uh, Malachi Nelson or some sort of package deal. They are teammates. Um, it's not hard to imagine that uh, as a wide as his as maybe his top wide receiver on their high school team that you know they have a connection and they and uh, the team that lands either Lemon or Nelson is going to have a good chance at the other one. Um, you know, package deals fall apart. Billy Bowman's in Norman. Jatavion Sanders is at Texas. So. Uh, it's not a given by any by any stretch, but um, if OU would land Malachi Nelson, um, I think there's a good chance that they'd be putting themselves in prime position to to turn around and add another top ten player um, in uh, in Makai Lemon. Um, the rest of OU's 2023 offers are mainly defensive backs, athlete types. OU's offered a couple of big cornerbacks from Georgia, one called Ethan Nation, uh, another one called A.J. Harris. They've also offered a big safety 
from Alabama named Sylvester Smith. And finally, OU's made a run on some uh, some big cornerbacks in the Dallas area in Javion Tovano and Jameel Jackson. Jackson in particular could be really highly rated, could be the number one um, uh, cornerback in Texas for 2023. And they've also offered, um, uh, I'm not sure if they actually, they've actually offered, but he's talked about having a virtual visit. So I'm guessing he has an offer. In 2023, uh, DB Braxton Myers. And Myers is like 6'2", 190 already. Uh, he's, he, he looks like he's going to be more of a safety type. He does show excellent wide coverage skills on film. He, he looks like he can, he can play some cornerback too, but he's, he's, he's a rising sophomore and, and I'm sorry, a rising junior. He's already 6'2", 190. So I'm kind of plugging him into the safety pool. So, you know, OU's been making some more um, offers there. Um, I kind of expect we'll see um, some more offers going out um, for 2023 as OU gets more film in. And, and since they can't go on the road, they, they'll, they've, they've got time to evaluate film and evaluate kids. So um, I think we'll see more offers, more virtual visits as well, um, trying to get kids um, set up, hopefully get a virtual visit in, get them excited about OU, and then hopefully once everything is opened up, hopefully June 1st, get some official visits in, in the summer, get some official visits set up for the fall. OU does have what looks like will be a premium uh, visit weekend in early September with their schedule now set up. Uh, OU uh, hosts Nebraska uh, in <clears throat> in Norman uh, in, in um let me just check the date on that game real quick. It's it's their third game in September. Um, it would be a great visit weekend. It'll be a t- big TV game regardless of what's going on uh, because of the the former status of that the former status of that um, of those two programs. Uh, so it's September eighteenth. So um, which would be a good weekend to be able to get kids into Norman. They have a follow-up weekend uh, uh, with West Virginia the 25th, which also would be um, another good weekend and they can bring uh, bring some players in. Um, they actually have a decent weekend in October uh, with both TCU and Texas Tech. And uh, OU also will have a final flagship weekend for visits uh, November 20th when they host Iowa State, and that will probably be a a big primetime game as well. So, you know, they're OU's going to continue doing the virtual visits because uh, it's a nice way of setting up interest, keeping players interested in OU. Um, and uh, hopefully for some of the players in far parts of the country, uh, OU can do some virtual visits and then perhaps roll right into scheduling some official visits uh, in the summer and maybe get some of those, get some of those players into, visit OU and perhaps get a, get some decisions going so OU has a better idea where they are with them. Um, that's it uh, for this episode of the of the podcast. Um, we will re-record. We'll record again next week, uh, depending upon uh, the recruiting activity. Um, we hopefully should have um, some more offers and some maybe maybe have a maybe have some word on a, a verbal or two. Um, 
there was some excitement late yesterday when Lincoln Riley posted his emoji eyes, but it was sadly only about the snow day video that OU put out. So sadly, I, I don't have news to report of a silent verbal uh, sitting, uh, silent verbal that OU has for uh, has for recruiting. So uh, thanks to everyone for listening, and um, we'll be recording again within the next uh, 10 days. Thanks.